Hello and welcome to Healthcare on the Rocks, Employee Benefits with a Twist. I'm Mike Pattengill, Senior Account Executive for Channel Sales. And I'm Jennifer Jones, Population Health Practice Leader at Springbuck. In this podcast, we'll talk with employers, benefit advisors, technology innovators, and other experts in wellness, human resources, and healthcare. Our special guest today knows more about Springbuck than anyone. He has been here literally since before day one. That's right, Jen. Rod Reason is one of the two co-founders of the company, and as CEO, he's still the one who sees uh, to it that we get paid, among other CEO-type things. Rod, welcome to the show. Well, welcome, and yes, uh, making sure you get paid is obviously a high priority, Mike, so we, uh, we, we do want to make sure that happens. For the record, I did not write that part, so uh, <laughs> I... I blame others for trying to put me in that position, but no, we're excited to, to have you along here, Rod. Uh, super excited just to pick your brain a little bit about why you started Springbuck, some of the things you're seeing and, and some of the things you're most excited about. So uh, without further ado, I say we uh, fire up some questions here. So Rod, I know you founded Springbuck over five years ago. Uh, what has the journey been like for you personally and for the company? You know, life in general is a, uh, a big lesson. You're, you're learning uh, hopefully every day. And uh, this has been an, an incredible experience from both uh, an opportunity to take a big, big idea, surround yourself with phenomenal people, and then work to execute on a big vision. And we're not there yet. Um, lots and lots that uh, we need to go accomplish. But I have to say uh, fun. Um, is definitely been at the center of that, watching people um, come and go, um, but to be able to just watch this little inkling of an idea to get to this point has been extraordinary. No, that's great. What would you say the next five years looks like? <laughs> you know, we had a, a product uh, kind of visioning session yesterday and um, had uh, a, a very, about an hour um, with the product team and with Steve, our, our chief technology officer, and then uh, Joy attended. And then afterward, Joy said, you realize that what you just said is gonna take us five years to, to accomplish. And uh, I said, yeah, I, it, it, it's going to. Uh, but that's part of the exciting thing. If you, if you run out of runway and what you, you're dreaming, then you've accomplished it. And really that's, uh, that's been the fun part is there's so much in healthcare broadly to be able to go do and the more, uh, the deeper that we that we get into it, the more we expose as far as opportunities. The more we realize that we've just begun to scratch the surface. You're going to give us a sneak peek into that at all? <laughs> you know, one of my favorite books is Freakonomics. Um, in the startup world or venture world, uh, the, the first principles term is often used, and it's that idea of what are the foundational things that need to happen. Um, in order to start building the blocks on top of them. First principles idea or Freakonomics talks about this idea around motivation. And in healthcare, there really are two sides of the market. There's the buyer side of the market, and then there's the delivery side of the market. And we talk about this as a group all the time, but you know, the, the buyer side of the market is really broken into two categories. It's government and employer. And the delivery side of healthcare has continued to innovate and morph from the traditional um, white jacket wearing and blue cloth uh, wearing uh, physicians that we think of when we naturally think of healthcare. We think of that caregiver. 
But healthcare is both the economic side, the buyer and the seller um, of services. We've chosen to focus on um, that employer side of healthcare on the buyer side because first principles says there's no market unless there's a buyer willing to spend money for a value that's achieved. And that's where we, there's this unification. We've said that the employer sits at this uh, unique spot in that when we as human beings are healthy, we make right, right choices, we avoid going to the doctor for good reason. We as employers win because we as human beings um, spend less money, we're more productive. And we as humans obviously win because we spend less money and we're more productive. We want to be healthy. We, we don't want to have to go into the medical system. Where I think there's this unique opportunity um, building upon where we're at today is we have all of this rich intelligence and we have thousands of employers that are continually feeding that, that big engine of intelligence. And it's becoming incredibly powerful to start to make that connection at the individual human level to be able to move to true engagement. And we've been talking about it internally for years. That is upon us. That is the next big phase. And we're really, really excited about what comes with that. Yeah, I think it, what all of this has taught us over the past two years is how valuable our health is um, and being well, how critical that is to just maintaining you know, general health and taking care of ourselves. That plays such a big role. All right, so for our next question, I'm going to take you back a couple years here. So like thousands of other companies across the country in 2020, you and the executive team made the decision to send all employees home for what we were originally told for two weeks on March 13th. It was a Friday the 13th, I remember that. And here we are almost two years later, so all still at home. What would you say have been the biggest surprises um, in moving to a remote workforce, good or bad? Oh, I'd say the number one surprise it has been the um, readiness to adopt a new paradigm in work, um, both not just at Springbuck, but as I read and I talk to other CEOs, um, this last two weeks I've been in um, a CEO mentoring group. I've been I'm part of uh, Port, Portco, what I call portfolio company, uh, board meetings with several of our venture funds. And over and over again at the C-level, what I've heard is this surprise at which organizations like ours have adopted at the human level, the employee level, um, have adopted this new era of work from anywhere. Um, and it, it truly is a paradigm shift. Um, the, the idea of going back into an office, punching a clock from eight to five, um, you know, the banking hours, I think that day and age has changed. Um, and I think for the better. Uh, so that's probably my biggest surprise. Do you enjoy being at home? Um, as I stand here in my uh, in my attic, these shelves actually came from my office. Um, <laughs> many of you that have been in my office when we had that office downtown, um, this was my office. So I've kind of tried to replicate that from a from a video perspective. I've learned more about how to uh, put lighting. I've got these two umbrella lights over here, and it still unfortunately casts uh, you know glare on my nice shiny bald head, but. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's the strange things that you learn during these times. Like, how do I, how far do I stand? I stand when I do video calls because your posture is right uh, versus sitting. Just weird things that you learn, uh, you know, over this time. Um, but driving downtown Indy, I was spending 45 minutes in the car one way. Yeah. And an hour and a half a day, you do the math. By the time that Friday came, I had spent an entire work day in a car. 
so now, you know, post-COVID, um, and I'm calling this in this post-COVID because that's very hopeful and, and dreamy that we're, we're finally over that hump and in a post-COVID world, um, it, now I get an entire workday back because I can work from home. So I love it um, from that perspective. But I do miss, you know, you know the physical interaction um, with the team. What are the biggest challenges you've had to go through as CEO, um, as a startup that has transitioned into a scale up? In leadership, in order to scale, the leader needs to scale himself um, or herself. In an early stage, stage startup, when it's you um, and three or four people, you make every decision. And learning to pass those decisions off and being, being open to people making a decision that you wouldn't have made, but that's uh, directionally correct, has been um, hard, but uh, I think one of the most rewarding too, because you see leaders um, grow underneath you. That's been phenomenal and exciting just to watch the scale of an organization because of the people. Some of us that have been here a little bit longer have heard you share that Springbuck wasn't always going to be the name or wasn't always the name of, of what we now know as Springbuck. Um, can you share what you almost went with and, and how happy you are that you did not go with that name? Well, you know, if I say this, then you have a whole bunch of people out there that might be named this person and then they're going to feel really rotten that we didn't <laughs> choose them then, Mike. So you really want me to answer this question? All right. Well, I'll rephrase my question. How happy are you that we went with the name Springbuck and not Todd? <laughs> oh, no, now you've thrown it out there. It's now out. Um, well, but it's on clear, me, not you. So, well, to be clear, it was going to be the opportunity. To be clear, to I wrote the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even when you go back to that funny thing that we almost named the business the Opportunity Dashboard, or short, you know, acronym Todd, um, and it eventually became Springbuck. The whole, even at that premise, if you think about the real root of that, we were looking for not just taking information and putting it into a display format. What we were ultimately trying to do was take data and turn it into an opportunity to make a decision. Um, so I am very glad that we chose the word Springbuck, which is obviously a uh, um, South African animal, um, but uh, um, sorry for anyone out there that's named Todd, but we didn't choose your name. <laughs> Rod, can you elaborate a little more for our listeners uh, on how you came up with Springbuck as the name? Um, so I had sold my brokerage firm um, in 2010 to um, uh, Brown and Brown, publicly traded, and had gotten um, to this point where you realize in the consultancy you're trading your time um, for the value that you can provide, but you're only going to be able to scale yourself so much before your time runs out. It really felt like there was an opportunity to do something a little bigger. And what the consultant space teaches you is that you need good information to be able to provide value to the customer in the form of advice. And without that good data and information, you are somewhat speculating, um, which is really dangerous to do when it comes to giving advice. And so um, we, we went on this journey um, and it took some time, spent some time in Africa. And, uh, and during that time, took my wife and two oldest girls at the time um, of the four kids and had an opportunity to, to go to Chobe Game Lodge um, in Namibia, South Africa, or Namibia, Africa. And we saw these animals called a springbok. And it didn't really click at the time, of course. You know, years later, we start to go through this naming convention 
and you go through everything. Anyone that's ever had to name a business, you can name it after yourself. That's real original. Um, or you can try to come up with a name. And then there's all of this URL battle. Do you own the www.com or .whatever? Um, and so there's all of that going on. And through the process, we go through colors and animals and all this stuff. And it just hit me that, you know, we want to be an organization that's fun, um, that's intuitive, that's agile, because we're a software company and we want to be different. Um, and I said, you know, there's this animal called a springbok. I don't know if that makes sense, but they're, they do this thing called pronging where they jump and they like, kind of like dance. Um, they're a very fun animal. If you watch them, watch YouTube video, they're just bizarre in a, in a fun kind of way. Um, but they're also one of the third, I think they're the third fastest land animal in the world. Um, so it kind of just fit that, hey, there's this uh, animal that's very analogous to what we're trying to build in a software company, which is to be different. Um, and so that's how the name came about. I love that. Thank you. And that goes really far when when we're asked a lot of times, where did Springbot come from? Where did that name come from? Um, and I think to equate that to the animal for the values that you just mentioned, it goes a long way to, again, as a software company, a tech company, particularly around healthcare, um, to be agile um, and nimble like that says a lot as far as when we explain that. Well, good. I'm glad it's stuck. It's definitely different. <laughs> yeah. So tell us uh, what's been, you know, one of your favorite memories throughout the Springbuck journey. I'm the type of person that's always looking forward. I very rarely look back except for to, I love history. Um, and I love studying history to see how people um, zigged and zagged through various decisions. Um, and I think it's just interesting um, that we, we don't forget our history, that we learn from our history. Um, so if one of the fun, I think, memories was we, we, uh, we had just raised our Series A. Uh, we were at Houston at the Crossing office. I think we had seven employees and we were going to 27. And uh, Phil and I looked at each other and said, where are we going to put all these people? And so we asked uh, our landlord, could we just borrow the, the office across the hallway um, until we can find a new lease space? And this office across the hallway was in demo mode. So imagine walking into a traditional uh, you know, commercial office space, but you walk in and there's some drywall on the walls. Some of it's insulation that's showing. Some of it's like drywall dust on the ground. And then... The carpet was filthy from having some of that construction work done with, with drywall. And then the perimeter around the carpet, about 24 inches, had all been cut up. So there was a strip of carpet that had been taken up, and all you could see was the concrete covered with mastic glue. Um, and that was our office. And, you know, we had these cheap chairs that we could afford at the time. And those are, those are memories that you... That you don't forget um, talking in a conference room that's a closet literally a closet that you're squeezing a couple chairs into so i think those are fun um, to look back and to see how far we've come um, from you know the mastic blue open and dirty carpet on the floor to where we are today and you talked about the future as far as how you like looking forward and knowing or thinking about what's happening next so Tell us what you're most excited about as we are heading into 2022. 
so I'll set some context um, and then answer the question. And, uh, you know, for the team, you know, I, I love the story of, um, of Apple. Um, when, when Steve Jobs came to the floor, his, his stage and introduced the iPhone, the context behind that was that prior to the iPhone being launched, um, he approached a gentleman by the name of Guy Kawasaki and said, I've got this idea of building a platform called a phone. We're going to go directly after a, a known market with a known user base who likes to do things a certain way. So think of that as a paradigm. It was called the BlackBerry, and we had buttons on phones. And I want to change that paradigm, and I want to change it to a touchscreen, but also I want to actually go create this entire app store. And Steve Jobs went to Guy Kawasaki and said, I want you to go talk to um, software developers and convince them to build on this platform that does not exist today. There is no proof that it will actually be a success. And he did. And he convinced hundreds of software developers to build these apps for a phone that didn't even exist in the market. When he did, if you if you've study out any of those first hundred or so software development companies that were the first app makers, those app makers are now, many of them are worth billions of dollars because of the platform that was created in the form of the iPhone. So that's, I think, where we sit today. Um, one of the unique things about being in the analytics space is that we are um, in a true Swiss bank agnostic position in the market. And what's fascinating to me is to watch how the the industry through years, and you know, Jen, you and I've watched this for you know, 20 or so years in the industry, how the market goes to hyper-specialization. So you have folks focused on um, a single disease state, and then they get to a certain size and they start to add disease states to um, their product mix through acquisition um, or through new product innovation. And then they become this generalist. And then what happens is the generalist can't focus. And so you have new hyper-specialization that comes into market. It's this ebb and flow in the market. Mm -hmm. um, what is the one thing that is consistent, several things that are consistent, but one of the things that is consistent through that entire journey is data. And I think that's what's most compelling about our opportunity. It's what's most exciting about our opportunity is that when whenever you dissect one of those point solution, digital therapeutic vendors in the future, the data historically just disappears. It doesn't have to anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and we think that's, you know, frankly, one of the most exciting things. And, and you know, as you, you know, one of the biggest opportunities for us is to take that information and to continue to keep it connected versus it just falling off every couple of years. We know you've been listening to our previous episodes, so this question should not come as any surprise to you. Um, what is the biggest twist you've seen in employee benefits during your career? Hmm. The biggest twist is um, probably offering uh, Netflix and uh, movie and food uh, subscriptions is probably been the biggest twist that I've seen. I never would have thought that we would be offering as employers movie and um, food subscriptions uh, to your home. Um, but I don't think that's going away. Yeah, it's interesting. I haven't gotten any uh, emails about my, yeah. my sus subscription being covered. Uh, Nicole, uh, expect an email from myself, Jen, or Marcus Camrath uh, here shortly on that one. Rod, thank you so much for your time today and, and for coming on the show. Thank you both for what you do. This, this is fun. 
being able to engage like this is a whole new whole new uh, dynamic um, to what we do. So thank you both. Yeah, we'll be sure to do the next episode in person, uh, hopefully, and, and can get a little more uh, collaboration that way. But always fun to pick your brain and, and get time with you, Rod. Thanks again. And that's it for this episode of Healthcare on the Rocks, Employee Benefits with a Twist. Thanks for listening. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate us or leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. That helps others find the show and lets us know what you like. And remember to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. To find previous episodes, visit our brand new website at springbuck.com forward slash podcast. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.